0: Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today.
1: The Los Angeles Chargers collapsed in the most Chargers-y way possible. New York football is back. And what will the Ravens do about Lamar Jackson? I'm Peter Bukowski. Starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're Locked On Sports Today.
0: Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story.
1: In the first half, the Chargers Jaguars game was over. It was Chargers 27, Jaguars nothing. At 27 to 7 at halftime, it was a little less over, but still basically over. And then, well, a lot happened and Jacksonville came out a 31 to 30 winner at home, one of the biggest Playoff comeback wins we've ever seen. David Drogemeyer from Locked on Chargers joins me now. And and David, I'm sure it is um, a, not an unfamiliar feeling because the Chargers were very on brand in in what happened here. But take me through the second half and and how this could happen for a team that looked so bulletproof in the first half.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it really started just before halftime, actually. Mm. And that was mm. when the Jaguars got that late touchdown, right before halftime the crowd had been out of it the entire game. You know, the, the Chargers took the air out of that stadium. They dominated that first half until the very end. And then you gave them something to cheer for. And then, you know, you heard Doug Peterson at, at uh, the halftime giving a little press conference or a little interview. And they said, you know, what are you going to do? And they said, oh, we're, you know, we're probably going to go up-tempo. And, well, guess what? That's exactly what they did. <laughs> and the, the Chargers did not have an answer. And, you know, you couple that with, really just offensive ineptitude. I mean, they scored three points in the second half with Justin Herbert at quarterback. I don't, I don't care if Mike Williams is out or not. That is inexcusable. And quite frankly, that, you know, mixed with the inability to make adjustments to counter what Jacksonville did to adjust their game plan. That's what turned into one of the most horrific collapses that we've ever seen. and And
1: in the first half, Trevor Lawrence comes out. He throws four interceptions in that first half. Asante Samuel Jr. got three of them. Yeah. And it was like, oh, Brandon Staley, defensive genius. He's he's there. Yeah. And if they had just gone on to win, we forget about the Mike Williams injury. Completely. We forget about some of the other stuff. But that's not how this played out, David. So now that it did, how does that change the way that you feel about the Mike Williams decision and how much of this ultimately falls on the shoulders of the head coach?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I, I, hated, I hated the decision from the beginning, honestly. I mean, there, there's absolutely nothing that the Chargers could gain from playing any of their players in that Week 18 game against the Denver Broncos. They could gain nothing. They had the 5 sieve locked up. There's really no reason for Justin Herbert to play, no reason for Keenan Allen to play, Mike Williams to play. I mean, I don't care if you played in the entire second, third string, the entire game. That would have been fine with me because – you need to protect those guys. And guess what? Mike Williams, one of your most explosive playmakers, gets hurt. And now he can't help you in this wild card game that the Chargers wind up to lose. And, you know, obviously that decision is squarely on the shoulders of the head coach. And he has to answer for that decision. Now, I don't think he's going to get fired. Uh, I, I mean, it's just not the MO of the Chargers. They usually give their head coaches about four years to try to figure it out. And, the, the bottom line is he did bring the Chargers to the playoffs after all the amazing amount of injuries they had to overcome this season. Uh, that doesn't mean I don't think there will be changes because that I think is a guarantee. Well, let me ask you about that because I, I I was,
1: I was coming into this going, okay, maybe he gets replaced if Sean Payton really comes in, but is. Is uh, the, the Chargers ownership going to pay Sean Payton $20 million a year? That doesn't seem like that's that's no. in their MO to do it. So what is the appropriate response to w- to the way that what was a very promising Chargers season um, came to an end?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the one thing that comes to mind right away is that you get rid of Joe Lombardi as the offensive coordinator. Uh, I, just, I feel like he put a governor uh, on a Corvette. Uh, he really kind of strapped Justin Herbert's ability to do what he does best which which is really attack the deep part of the field better than pretty much anyone in the league and we just didn't see that enough. I mean regardless of the fact that defenses were playing too deep too deep safeties, Justin Herbert has the arm strength and the arm talent to beat that. I just didn't don't feel like they were aggressive enough all season long. They didn't turn it on until it was too little too late and so I think the Chargers would have been in a much better situation had they had a play caller that really truly tailored the offense around what he does well. You know, he, he has that rocket arm. He has athleticism. He can really throw accurately on the run. And I don't feel like enough of those elements were incorporated in the offense, which would have allowed Justin Herbert to play at his peak ability. I just feel like he was really in that straight jacket, didn't really get the opportunity to really fly. And I feel like the Chargers need to bring in the right person to allow that to happen.
1: Stay up to date all year on the LA Chargers by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Chargers on YouTube. Or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, the New York Giants are pretty dang good. Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all your gambling needs. The Dallas Cowboys, two and a half point favorites over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tonight in the player prop market. Tom Brady, passing yardage over, set at 277, a number he's hit in nine of 17 games this season. Bet Online where the game starts. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Buffalo Bills narrowly escaped Skylar Thompson and the Miami Dolphins on Sunday afternoon, 34-31. The Bills started the game on a 17-0 run before pulling a Chargers and almost blowing the game before two second-half Josh Allen touchdown passes put the game away. The Georgia Bulldogs won the college football national championship last week, but are now mourning the loss of offensive lineman Devin Willick and recruiting staff member Chandler LaCroix after the two were killed in a single car accident early Sunday morning. The New York Liberty made a power move on Sunday evening trading for 2021 WNBA MVP Quell Jones. Jones was formally with the Connecticut Sun before requesting a trade specifically to the New York Liberty. And the San Francisco 49ers, led by Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy, are headed to the divisional round following a 41-23 walloping of the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks actually led 17-16 at the half before the 49ers ran away with it. I guess they're pretty relevant right now.
0: Here is another story you need to know.
1: Is New York football back? The New York Giants went into U.S. Bank Stadium in Minnesota and beat the three-seed Minnesota Vikings 31-24. to Daniel Jones was brilliant, 301 yards and two touchdowns. The first quarterback in NFL playoff history with 300 yards, two touchdowns, and more than 70 rushing yards for a quarterback. Unbelievable performance. Patricia Trena from Locked on Giants joins me now. And, and Patricia, a performance like this, I think would have been unthinkable for most of the last what three plus years. How are the Giants able to do this with Daniel Jones?
3: Basically, they, they brought in a quarterback whisperer and Brian Dable, a former NFL quarterback and Mike Kafka, and they developed a system that fits what Daniel Jones does well. And when you think about the fact that Daniel Jones has done this with receivers that If I had told you at the start of the year his number one receivers would would be Isaiah Hodgins, Richie James, Darius Slayton, you would have said, no way. Mm
0: -hmm. I mean,
3: this offense is starting to click. And the more it clicks, the more Daniel Jones becomes confident, the more he becomes that field general that, that he really wasn't the first three years. He was more of a game manager. And that confidence is so infectious that his teammates are feeding off of it, not just on the offensive side of the ball, but on the defensive side as well. And here we are today, the Giants headed to Philadelphia next week for the divisional round. I mean, it, who would have thought it?
1: It is it is truly remarkable for the for the Giants. And it, you mentioned it, the receivers that he has thrown to him. Imagine if, if Sterling Shepard were healthy. Imagine if Kenny Galladay gave them anything with the big money deal that he got. And you know, for as for as big an issue as that is, there is, I think, a little bit of, of some some Dave Gettleman. Hey, was was it really as bad? Like, because this is mostly a Dave Gettleman team, right? So, what what kind of impact do you think that that um, Dayball and Mike Kafka on on this whole team? We've talked about this whenever you've been in here. The culture change here. How does that do you think set set up a, a team like this that is undermanned? to go in and, and get a win this week. And then boom, who knows next week in Philly?
3: Well, they, they've kept it consistent, whether it's week one or week one of the playoffs, mm. They kept the message consistent. It's like, guys, let's worry about the next five minutes. Let's not worry about tomorrow or next week. Let's worry about what we have to do today. Let's win today. Stack the good days on top of each other. I know it sounds like a cliche, but sometimes there's that temptation to want to look ahead, to get ahead of things, to cut corners. Dable and, and Kafka and the rest of the coaching staff have made sure that that is not the case. They have kept the team focused. They have drilled that home to the players. And they have, above all, by giving the players a sense of ownership in the culture, building the culture and in the locker room and how they disseminate messages to the, to the media and thus to the fans. They've just, you know, they've created a culture where if the players screw up, It's like, okay, we have a a piece of ownership of this and it looks bad on us, not it looks bad on the coaches. It looks bad on us. So just that whole uh, culture of we're in this together, whether you're the third string safety, the cafeteria worker, the, (laughs) the equipment guy or the starting quarterback. We are in this together and they have responded accordingly.
1: Saquon Barkley, 14 touches, over 100 yards in this game, two touchdowns. He was, in a lot of ways, the offensive difference maker. And it seemed like whenever they needed a big play, they could go to Saquon and he would give it to them. With Daniel Jones playing like this and Saquon Barkley playing like this, I mean, I, I asked you a week ago what the ceiling of this team is, and I feel like we have to recalibrate it now after what we saw on, on Sunday.
3: Yeah, I mean, they've been competitive. You know, I I, I said – Down the stretch, the last four games of the season, even though the Giants went 2-2, and they were playing some pretty solid ball. Mm. And it wasn't showing up in the wins and losses column. But you could see that the tide was starting to turn, that the confidence was starting to really pick up. And, you know, I go back to that Week 18 game against the the Eagles. The Giants backups stood toe-to-toe with the Eagles, the number one seeded team in the NFC. They stood, Their starters stood toe to toe with the Vikings in week 16, the number three seeded NFC team. If you don't think that didn't build some confidence up in this Giants team, you know, sometimes, you know, there's an old belief or an old saying that half of the battle is having confidence and belief in yourself. And the other part, you know, the other small part is the talent. And, you know, we, we've seen this in the past with the Giants. We saw it in 2007. We saw it again in 2011, the two Super Bowl championship uh, teams that they had. We're seeing it now. Now, I don't know if this, I, I'm not going to go so far as to say that this Giants team is a Super Bowl contender, but they have certainly far exceeded a lot of expectations that people had for them at the start of the year.
1: Stay up to date all year on the New York Giants by subscribing to Locked on Sports today and Locked on Giants on YouTube. Or wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, what's going on with Lamar Jackson exactly? Looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and the calories? Then you got to try Built Bar. I had one today. I have one almost every day because I'm always looking for something filling and on the move. I've got a toddler I'm chasing around. I'm trying to balance a, a healthy work life and, and working out life and eating and still finding time to fuel my body in the right way. And Let me tell you, it's hard. And so a lot of times I just want something that tastes delicious. And so Belt Bar giving me something that tastes delicious, covered in 100% real chocolate with flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond, and yet hitting the macros that you want, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein. And now you don't have to wait around to get a box that you ordered online, although you can still go to Bilt.com and get all of your favorites. Now you can get them at Walmart. Sam's Club, you can go out and do your normal shopping and just pick up a box. You can just run out and get them whenever you want one. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of built bars. You can thank me later. The Baltimore Ravens woulda, shoulda, coulda against the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday night. They fall 24 17 just as the ball fell out of the back of the end zone on the final play of regulation. Remember, no Lamar Jackson in this one. And no, we are not going to let Kevin Ostriker from Locked On Ravens leave without us talking about Lamar Jackson. But first, let's talk about the game, Kevin. And this was a contest that I think ended up being much more hotly contested than most of us thought it would be. And really, Baltimore, if you're a Ravens fan, you're probably
0: leaving this game going, we should have won this game. You are. This is a game that they, they could have and probably should have won. They had multiple opportunities to pride this game away from They're at the Cincinnati one yard line. It's a tight mm. football game. And Greg Roman, it's, it's a very long one yard. And the play call is to QB sneak it where we saw the exact same thing happen to Lamar Jackson in 2018. His rookie season in that AFC North game where he reaches the ball, tries to reach it over the goal line. But there's a defender there that punches the ball out. Balls right into the arms of Sam Hubbard, who runs it back. That's a 14, a likely 14 point swing in what was a seven point loss. There was questionable time management at the end of the game. Baltimore had two timeouts until about 30 seconds left. I don't know if they thought they could have saved those timeouts till next year. It, it, it was difficult <laughs> for them because they weren't using the clock to their advantage in that situation. Results in a fourth and 20, where the ball actually, they was almost successful on the play. James Roche almost catches the ball, glances off his fingertips. It's heartbreak. And I know a lot of people, I I predicted them to lose 27-17. It was 24-17. But I think this game was a lot more tightly contested than many people thought it was, which I think makes it that much more heartbreaking for a lot of people in Baltimore.
1: Yeah, and and in all of those miscues, a Kevin Zeitler holding penalty, which I thought was questionable at best at the end, that turned you know, second and 10 into second and 20, and they were not able to to manufacture enough yardage to get in position to have a better chance to make a play there at the end. There is this Lamar Jackson question though, Kevin, because we got this report that he did not travel with the team. There was a lot of discussion and oxygen devoted to this idea. Oh, he should brace it up and play. And then you hear, uh, you know, RG3 chiming in and saying like, absolutely, that's the worst thing that you could do and this is coming from a guy who did brace it up in play, and it ruined his career. What do you make of the Lamar Jackson drama right now?
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, Peter, it's if he's not healthy, he's not healthy. Now, there have been questions about he's been going in for treatment. Is, he, you know, is this a contract issue for Lamar? He went out, and he, he set the record straight on his own accord. The team was very quiet on the whole thing. So he put out two tweets on Twitter just this past week and said, you know, look, this is what I'm dealing with. My knee is not right. And yeah, RG3 did brace it up and we saw what happened to him. So it is a very wishy-washy situation in terms of how stable or unstable is the knee. So even the more Jackson at 70% probably gives you a better shot than Tyler Huntley or Anthony Brown would have in this game. But I mean, side note, credit to Huntley for how he played for most of the game, had a couple of big miscues, but he actually was able to bring them back into this game but for Jackson, not traveling with the team, I think, did rub a lot of people the wrong way in the Baltimore fan base. And just, you know, why aren't you there right now with your guys? Is, can you really not travel on the injury? So there's been a lot of just in the darkness for this Ravens team right now. And obviously that all goes into the offseason where there are even more questions about will they franchise tag them more? Is there a long-term extension? We got a report from me in Rappaport that said that their plans have not changed. He, they still plan to negotiate. But are they going to be able to negotiate to what both the team and Lamar want? Because apparently the holdup has been the guaranteed money, which obviously the Deshaun Watson contract is kind of thrown all out of whack right now. So the Jackson injury, there were the reported timelines. He'd be back by week 16, maybe week 18. But he ends up missing Baltimore's final six games, dating back seven, if you want to include that Denver game. And again, I just think a lot more questions than answers right now.
1: And and we're left with what if 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 we're a Baltimore Ravens fan or an NFL fan just watching the games going you know this this could have been different I I may or may not have a had had a Baltimore Ravens to win the Super Bowl and win the AFC ticket so you know I, I may be wondering that what if question too but this is uh, not how it was meant to be this year we'll see if they're able to have Lamar Jackson next year to run it all back Kevin I appreciate it thanks so much and finally. Snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap. Aaron Donald is widely regarded as one of the greatest NFL players of all time. And on Sunday afternoon, he quietly retired. Or did he? Donald changed his Twitter bio to say, former NFL player for the Los Angeles Rams before quickly removing the former part of it. Is he done playing? Is he not? Who even knows at this point? Just be ready for this to become a yearly tradition surrounding one of the greatest of all times. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, will the Cowboys or Buccaneers advance to the
3: divisional round? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.